The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of land that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, tired from his journey, sat down there at the well. It was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? For Jews use nothing in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you do not even have a bucket and the cistern is deep. Where then can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this cistern and drank from it himself with his children and his flocks? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I shall give will never thirst. The water I shall give will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may not be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered and said to him, I do not have a husband. Jesus answered her, You are right in saying I do not have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you people say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Believe me, woman, when when you will worship the Father, there will the hour is coming. But you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You people worship what you do not understand. We worship what we understand, because salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And indeed, the Father seeks such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us everything. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one speaking with you. At that moment, his disciples returned and were amazed that he was talking with a woman. But still no one said, what are you looking for or why are you talking with her? 
the woman left her water jar and went into the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I have done. Could he possibly be the Christ? They went out of the town and came to him. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. So the disciples said to one another, Could someone have brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say, In four months the harvest will be here? I tell you, look up and see the fields ripe for the harvest. The reaper is already receiving payment and gathering crops for eternal life, so the sower and the reaper can rejoice together. For the, here the saying is verified, that one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the work, and you are sharing the fruits of their work. Many of the Samaritans of that town began to believe in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me everything I have done. When the Samaritans came to him, they invited him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more began to believe in him because of his word, and they said to the woman, we no longer believe because of your word, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The Gospel of the Lord. These readings that we hear today, particularly the Gospels for this week and the next two weeks, so these three weeks, really drive us back into the days of the early church. These three Gospel readings were used for people who were preparing for baptism and to help the entire community to prepare for Easter. The people in each of these readings show us in some way how sin works in the world and how we're in the power of sin and death, and also how Jesus is Lord and has power to set us free. This week we heard the story of the woman at the well and how our personal sins and our addictions keep us in the bondage and the power of sin. Next week, we'll hear about the man born blind, and we'll see how our culture and our society and our structures often blind us to the gift of God in our midst through structural and communal sin. And then the following week with the raising of Lazarus, we hear about Jesus' power over death itself the fruit of sin. But today, let's look at the woman at the well. And she's a fascinating figure. I think she might be my favorite person in all of Scripture. If not, she's got to be up there. Because she reveals us to ourselves. She stands in for us in our relationship with sin, in our relationship 
with God. What do we know about this woman? And we don't know a lot, but we do know a few things. One thing we know about her is she is in the power of sin. How do we know that? One, because she's human. And remember back Adam and Eve and how they sold us all into slavery to sin by disobedience for the bite of a fruit. But we also know that she's in the power of sin by this one line that she comes to the well at noon. This woman comes to the well at noon. See, in the ancient world, you didn't go to the well at noon. You know, everybody would go to the well at the beginning of the day. All the women would come out to get the water for the day. And at the end of the day, they'd come out to get the water for the night. The middle of the day was the heat of the day. And you only went to the well in the middle of the day if you didn't want to see anyone. If you were ashamed of something. And we know that sin gets its power through shame. And this woman was carrying some kind of great shame. She had sinned. We don't know exactly what it is. We allude to it. Jesus alludes to it when he says, you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your own. Maybe she was a woman with a reputation or a woman who had been abused. But whatever it is, the sin is using its shame to isolate her more and more from God and from her community. And we all know that that's how sin works in our lives too. We all have things that we are ashamed of in our lives. And we know that sin uses those voices of shame to drive us further and further away from God and further and further from those we love. You don't deserve God's love. You've done something horrible. No one could possibly love you. You can't be forgiven. That's the voice of sin and the voice of shame that echoes in that woman's heart and in her mind and isolates her more and more from the waters of God's love and from the community that she's a part of. So we know this woman shares our burden. We know that she shares our shame. We also know that this woman is thirsty. That's why she comes to the well. She is longing for something that can truly satisfy her. Something that is big enough, deep enough, good enough, beautiful enough, great enough to fill that void that's in her heart. And she comes to the well seeking it. But whatever she finds at the well doesn't do it. She has to keep coming back and back and back for more. 
because she can't be satisfied. And that's true for us too. And maybe it was that lack of satisfaction that drove the woman into sin. Maybe she was seeking for love in all the wrong places because of that deep longing and thirst that nothing and no one on earth could satisfy. Or maybe she's like us where we're flipping through our Facebook or our Instagram looking to kill time and find something entertaining, but it won't do it. We know we'll just be back there again the next day. Or maybe we're dulling our pain through alcohol or drugs. Whatever it is, you cannot get enough of something that almost works. Something that just distracts you from that deep longing and thirst will never satisfy us. We were made for more. And this woman in her shame still keeps coming back looking for something that will satisfy her deep thirst. And that brings us to the Gospel today where Jesus shows up. He comes and He meets her right in that place of shame, right in the midst of her brokenness. He says, and it's interesting what she says later, she says, He told me everything I ever did. We don't get that in the story. We never hear him tell her everything she ever did. But he knows her. He knows her shame. He knows what she's ashamed of. He knows her brokenness. And yet he meets her there and shows her love anyway. Love that is bigger than any, any shame. You know, one of my favorite monastic teachers used to say, if you sin, you should feel guilty for about five minutes and then confess and move on. If it's any longer than that, shame will get its hold on you. And she discovers that if she turns herself and reveals herself to God, she finds love. That that voice and the power of sin is lying to her. She can be forgiven. She is created in the image of God. And we need to hear that message too in our lives in the sacrament of reconciliation. The other thing, the other piece of the good news besides Jesus meeting her at the well in the midst of her shame is that Jesus gives her what she longs for. He gives her living water. Water that can fully satisfy that thirst. Not in social media or not in drugs or not in gossip, but in Him. In a relationship with Him. He invites her to prayer and to encounter God. Because that's the only thing that will ever satisfy her heart and will ever satisfy our heart. And this woman is so transformed and transfigured by that good news that she goes off and shares it with everyone. She's found what it's really about. She's found that she is loved and that there is a satisfaction for her deep desires. Fulton Sheen, one of the great preachers 
of the last century talks about this living water that Jesus promises. He says, Here was Jesus' philosophy of life. All the human satisfactions of the cravings of the body and soul have one defect. They do not satisfy forever. They only serve to deaden the present want, but they never extinguish it. The want always revives again. The waters the world gives fall back to earth again. But the water of life, which Jesus gives, is a supernatural impulse and pushes onward even to heaven itself. Our blessed Lord did not attempt to dislodge the world's broken cisterns without offering something better. He did not condemn the, earth, condemn the earthly streams nor forbid them. He merely said that if she restricted herself to the wells of human happiness, she would never be completely satisfied. The good news for us that reveals the brokenness of sin that Jesus broke on the cross is that shame is a lie. You are beloved just as that woman was and is. And the good news is that you are made for more. Nothing in this world will satisfy you, but God can and God will. We get a little bit of a taste of that week after week in the Eucharist. We get a little bit of a taste of that in our marriages, in our love for one another, and in our community. But the promise is Jesus' resurrection that ultimately God love, God's love conquers even death itself. So as we make these final weeks of Lent, get rid of that shame. Bring it to the confessional. Bring it wherever you need to take it so that you can know God's love for you. And don't be satisfied with anything on earth because God has made you for himself.